Welcome to Taste and See, a conversational podcast where we discuss what it looks like to savor and share God's goodness through home. I'm your host, Jessica Sherrill, and today I'll be talking with Courtney Allison. She's a pastor's wife, as well as a really fun mom to four kids, both biological and adopted, uh, while dealing with serious chronic health issues. I'm excited to talk to her a little bit about all of those things today. Hi, Courtney, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Jessica. This is fun. Well, I've been looking forward to recording this episode for a while, um, and I am planning to divide our conversation up into two different episodes because I don't think we'll fit everything I want to talk about into just one. So I will we'll talk about a few things, and then we'll, um, in next week's episode, talk about a few more. But before I go any further, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. All right. Well, as you said, my name is Courtney. I met and married my husband in six months' time, so we got married very quickly while he was in seminary, and his name is Scott. We then adopted one little boy through domestic infant adoption, then were surprised with a biological daughter, then started the foster care process and brought in our son um, through adoption, an older child adoption through the foster care process, and the week he was placed with us found out that our last son was coming. So we have three sons and one daughter all added exactly how God wanted them to be and very quickly. And we are currently in the adoption process for two more children um, from an international um, adoption. Your husband is also a pastor, correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay. We met in seminary. Right. And has he been doing that for your entire marriage, like ever since he was finished with seminary? Yes. Yes. We were for six years with a church plant close to um, Philadelphia. And then just Mm -hmm. three years ago, we moved to a more rural location where he is um, now the senior pastor in rural Pennsylvania. So before we get into some of the more specific questions that I want to talk to you about, I would love to know what you would say your hosting style is. (laughs) Um, I am a person of extremes. So I really enjoy either having it be incredibly informal and just welcoming someone into our family's normal pattern and rhythm or throwing a huge bash with tons of food and decorations and all sorts of planning and preparations. Um, But I think more than those extremes, which dictate every part of my life really, um, is the fact that I love tailoring the event to the need. So Mm -hmm. I love seeing um, what people are hungry for, what they're needing, and then adjusting accordingly. Because sometimes that means people need to just feel like they're part of our family. Other times it means that they need to have other like-minded people gathered around them so they can be sharpened and encouraged. And then also sometimes people need a party. They need something a little more exciting (laughs) Maybe their holidays have always been incredibly bleak and dreary, and now they're a new Christian and they've never celebrated Easter before realizing what their Savior did for them. And in that case, I want to invite them into a really incredible adventure. I like that perspective. I don't think I've heard someone express it quite like that before, and I like it. Yeah, yeah. I know um, that hospitality and having people in your home, just from what you've already said and just from knowing you online, is something that you really enjoy. But has that always been something that you've loved and felt comfortable with? Or is that something that has grown 
over the years for you? I would say that it is not an organic joy for me. I think it is a joy that God allowed to grow in the presence of obedience. I am very much an introvert. Um, I like to call myself <laughs> a a socially conditioned introvert. My parents worked very hard to make sure that I was loving and kind to other people around me. But I am very happy being alone with a stack of books and um, would not run to have my house filled with people and would not run to have a bunch of strangers sitting around my table. Um, but I am excited to say that now it is something I am very passionate about. And maybe my passion is even amplified because it's exciting to see God keep his promises that when we obey, he does bless us. And even if it comes through an avenue that we're not expecting, we're not, I was not expecting to love posting as much as I do. I was just obeying what God had called me to, and he then deepened it into a great gift of joy. So talking about it, hospitality from the perspective of a pastor's wife, first of all, I know something that I actually realized just recently when I was reading through First Timothy is that being hospitable is actually a qualification for an elder or a pastor. And I don't think that I've ever really noticed that before when it gives the list of qualifications. And um, that word that it uses in First Timothy 3.2 literally means love of strangers. So that kind of hospitality is not necessarily talking about having your best buds over on a Friday night for games or hanging out. It's that hospitality in particular is more of a sacrificial giving of your home and self and time to welcome people in you might not even know very well. And so I think that's kind of an interesting qualification because if a pastor is married, that's not really something he can do alone. So um, your willingness as his wife or your unwillingness to be hospitable with your home and your life could either um, support his ministry or hinder the effectiveness of his ministry. So how do you, I guess, what is your perspective and how do you handle that responsibility? I take it very seriously that I could be the reason that my husband cannot fulfill the job God gave him. That sobers me at a level that I think is very good for my soul. It's very good to be steadied by the fact that my behavior and my selfishness or my weaknesses could be a reason why my husband would be disqualified from what I do genuinely believe is an actual calling from God. I don't think that that soberness is a bad thing. And I don't think that the additional weight put on because of the ministry is something that I should resent. Rather, I view it as hospitality is a mandate for all Christians. It's interesting that God then takes certain things that are for all Christians and almost highlights or amplifies them if you desire to be in leadership. So mm -hmm. we're all supposed to be doing that. But the leadership role just takes it and makes it that much more front and center, that much more of a, a um, requirement that God has set out. And I like to say that God knew how flaky I am, how, <laughs> how bad I am at obeying, how poorly I follow him. And so he married me to a pastor so that I could have extra accountability. <laughs> so I know that I'm called to hospitality because I'm a Christian, but God mm -hmm. then provided the external support system of husband in full-time ministry 
to hold me accountable to do what he wants all of us to do. What does it look like practically for you guys? Do you have a pretty set system of, you know, every Sunday you have someone in your home or is it more of a fluid meeting, whatever needs um, come up in daily life of ministry or is it a little both? How does that look? Well, initially when we started out in ministry, we were part of a church plant that did not have a building. So for the first six years of our ministry together outside of seminary, so we got to kind of practice and do baby steps in it while we were in seminary, as I think a lot of people do. It's really fun. Um, but then when it was like, okay, we're on the, we're on our own, um, our house had to be used pretty aggressively just because the church had no other place to meet. And I loved that. That was an added pressure that turned this duty into a delight for me. Um when we moved and changed locations, I was un- I was not expecting the challenges of hospitality that kind of got thrown at me. So we were in a smaller church. It was very easy for it to feel like family. I honestly mm-hmm. kind of thought I was a hospitality rock star because <laughs> I could very easily have um, a diverse group of people over and they would come and have a wonderful time and stay for hours and hours. Honestly, it was because of where we were serving. We were in a largely urban area. Most of the people were transplants and everyone felt very lonely as a Christian because they were surrounded by unbelievers. So having a place to gather was incredibly exciting for them. And with very little effort, I could invite people over and they would just come in droves. And it was wonderful. We then moved to a larger church um, in a very different environment, a very different culture. Um, It's a culture that values privacy. Uh, It's very fiercely independent um, groups of people, largely who have all been here for generations. Um, And so when we first started inviting people over, um, I thought we could just do what we had done at our old church, very impromptu. Come on, come over to the pastor's house. It's great. Um, We just want to get to know you. And I realized that people weren't scared. They were terrified because they really (laughs) thought they were being (laughs) invited because they were in trouble. Like, why is Mm. the pastor inviting me over? And why are we doing this impromptu? And what did I do this morning that makes you want to talk to me this (laughs) afternoon? (laughs) And um, so to be quite honest, it was a very, very uphill battle convincing people that hospitality in this area wasn't going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so impromptu requests still in this location largely fall flat, which I really miss. I miss being able to just at the end of church, find someone who's hurting and say, Hey, you know what? I've got a huge crack pot of chili. I always did chili on Sunday afternoons cause it stretches and, mm-hmm. um, a loaf of bread. Why don't you come over? Let's just, just rest at our house. And, uh, that I don't think that's ever happened at our current location, mm-hmm. but That being said, we're three years in, and uh, I think the trepidation is starting to thaw. Um, (laughs) People are coming over. We've had lots and lots of um, large crowds this past year. So as a long answer to your question, no, we don't have a specific schedule. We've Mm -hmm. always had dreams of that. Um, We wrote hospitality into our uh, family charter when it started as a core value that we revisit Mm -hmm. often. We have it hanging on the walls of our um, dining room just to remind us of what we believe is important. And, um, but because of my health issues, 
a regular schedule is just not an option. So we usually plan about a month out in a time at a time and hold it very loosely. Um, but I have, I have like a total goal that I have for the whole year of how many times we invite people over because mm -hmm. there will be seasons when I can do it more easily than others. I don't think I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I was a pastor's kid for most of my childhood. And hearing you talk about people being really nervous to come over to the pastor's house <laughs> is cracking me up because I do remember that. And, and I think there's, it's kind of a mixed bag because I think on the one hand, um, people often expect the pastor and his family to be the ones who host and who invite people over regularly. And often it is seen as almost some kind of honor or something to be invited to the pastor's yeah. <laughs> um, house for lunch. And, but then there is that trepidation of like, you know, why am I being invited? Am I in trouble? Um, but I also remember as a kid, how rare it was for us to get invites to people's homes. Mm -hmm. And I think there was another layer of, again, kind of that trepidation or fear or reverence for, well, this mm -hmm. is the pastor and his family. And there's this, I think people think, well, I don't know that I could have an entire evening of conversation and just talk about theology. Like I wouldn't be able to okay. do that. So <laughs> I don't think we can have them over or what if my kid has a temper tantrum and they mm. think they're disapproving of, you know, my parenting or something like that. So um, I know I've, this wasn't something that I had written down that I wanted to ask you, but I guess what would you say to the typical churchgoer who wants to invite their pastor and their family over for dinner, but they're too afraid to do it? I think fear is a bad motivation for anything. <laughs> so that would be my first, first correction. But I would also say that um, take a little bit of time and just observe and watch your pastor's family to find out if that would be a blessing. Mm -hmm. um, there are people who are in ministry who are incredibly lonely and haven't been invited over, like you said, and haven't mm -hmm. been loved in that way. And they are desperate for it. They are just dried up. Um there are also people in ministry who are who have so many people pulling at them all the time that being asked to go to somebody's house for dinner would actually be another stressor. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think the vast majority of pastors' wives do actually voice, as I've listened to a variety of friends, do voice a sorrow that that's not an organic part of their lives, that people are mm -hmm. not as eager to invite them over. I would say that both my husband and I are introverts. Um, and so we don't actually feel that loneliness quite at the same level that I think um, others might. But that being said, I think um, for us, I think what's more of a, a drawback to people is that we're a, we're a larger family. We have four children. Um, and so I think many people hesitate to invite us over more because we are a larger family than because we are the pastor's family. So I I always appreciate the people who um, are willing to accommodate us. I think also realizing that um, <laughs> a lack of accommodation is actually in and of itself enjoyable. Uh, we've eaten dinner around tables that were clearly meant for two people and they crammed six <laughs> extra people in. And it's just, it's delightful that they didn't view their table size as a limitation to having our family over or um, people who have, uh, you know, put down plastic mats on their carpeted dining room floor because they want, you know, my kid who's in a high chair to be able to eat with everybody else. But they also recognize cream carpet is not friends with <laughs> spaghetti. 
<laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I think when people go out of their way to make those kind of um, accommodations for their pastor's family, that's really loving. But to not treat all pastor's families as uh, lonely, but also to not treat all pastor's families as being regularly included. Mm-hmm. Um, there is just um, value in learning your pastor and his family's needs um, in hospitality. Um, and that's just incredibly loving when people do take the time to know us specifically. I was thinking also talking about you guys opening your home regularly to your church community. I think one of the values of that for the people who you're discipling or you're especially in particular, your husband is discipling and teaching and shepherding when you are opening your home and allowing them to come in to the intimacy of your daily life and see that lived out. And they can see that the things that your husband is teaching Mm -hmm. from the pulpit on Sunday are being lived out at home. Mm -hmm. That is such a, I don't know, kind of affirmation and builds, I think builds people's faith and trust in your leader, your husband's leadership anyways. And, um, and that, that can be really helpful for people. Oh, 100%. And I think it also fulfills like a level of discipleship that um, is often needed in people's lives. Um, There's like this in-between gray area in between I'm in total crisis and I need intensive counseling and (laughs) I am a healthy church member with no like um, aggressive problems at this moment. There's this gray area in between it where people are struggling in their marriage. They're struggling with their parenting. And what is needed in those moments is often not um, a totally perfect evening out, but rather to watch another couple deal with (laughs) loving one another as you host or be honest about what was happening. I just remember my husband and I, our first several years of marriage, anytime we would have somebody over, I'm not kidding, the two hours before they would come, we would fight and we are not (laughs) fighters. Like we are just not, that's just, I mean, we, have other bumps in marriage because everyone does, but we're just not fighters and it would get crazy. And then the doorbell would ring and we'd plaster smiles on our faces and start the night with the people. And it was just um, so humbling for us to realize, okay, like this is actually loving other people is to be honest about the fact that, yeah, that just happened. Or <laughs> please, please don't think we have it all together. Or if somebody, somebody comments on, well, the napkins look great. You know, you exchange glances and you laugh and you say, yeah, we had a discussion about the napkins right before you came in. <laughs> That's more helpful to a couple who's like also in the dregs of marriage to, to, um, than to think that their pastor and their pastor's wife have it all together. Um, and doing that with grace and humility and humor is, is helpful. And I, I know I have several children who, um, regularly need to be parented while people are in my home and that it's not a bad thing for someone to watch, um, gentle, loving correction happen. Um, and to, to then learn, um, okay, in my own parenting, how can I adjust and change? Um, oh, this Mm -hmm. is a place where I can ask questions. I just saw them deal with a temper tantrum this way. Let me ask them how they would deal with one that happens in the grocery store. Um, yeah. And so that's just a an organic form of discipleship and counseling that I think is um, that we as a church are kind of perishing for want of. 
and to be able to have people in our life where we can be very honest about where we are in our marriage and where we are in our parenting and hospitality provides the space for people to observe and ask questions, um, which can be intimidating, but it can also be incredibly freeing. <laughs> Um, because yeah. you're not trying to be perfect, just as in all other forms of hospitality, you're not trying to be the perfect party planner. You're also not trying to be the perfect person. You're just honestly sharing where you are in your life and what Jesus is asking of you. I think that we've experienced some of that in our own home, both with people coming into our home and having some really good conversations with them that have been surprising, but have flown flowed very naturally out of whatever's happening in our house at the moment. But then also I have loved the opportunity to be in the homes of people who I respect and look up to and just ask those questions in a more natural setting. Changing lanes a little bit, another part of your story that I would love to talk more about is your experience as a wife and mom with chronic illness. When did that become a part of your life? And um, how has that changed your ability to host? Yeah, so I was diagnosed at 19. And in some ways, I view that as a blessing because I've never known adulthood without wildly varying limitations and mm-hmm. kind of a day-to-day reliance on God to get me through. And in some, and so in that sense, it's, it is a blessing because I, I never navigated motherhood healthy and then had to make the switch. I've just always cycled in and out of seasons of severe illness and then not severe illness. And one of my favorite metaphors to kind of explain how I view hospitality during this time, or actually most most spiritual disciplines, is um, the Joseph metaphor, which is God will give you seven years of feasting, and then there might be seven years of famine. And that is very much how my life exists. I will mm-hmm. have wonderful seasons where I'm able to do more. And then I will have other seasons where I, I can't, it, the, the famine is real. And I've recognized that all of my spiritual disciplines from um, hosting and hospitality to prayer, um, Bible reading, scripture memory, discipleship of others, all of those, I have to almost store up my, my good years, store up, cram in all the goodness mm-hmm. and run as hard as I can when I feel well, and then rest and pray when I can't. So unless I'm very, very ill, I still make hospitality a priority. Um, mm-hmm. My husband and my kids are huge helps. We simplify where we can. I like crock pots. <laughs> um, and sometimes I clean my bathrooms with like a pack of Lysol wipes instead of anything more <laughs> aggressive. But it's very, very rare, I would say, for most people where you're not able. And I think the beauty of chronic illness in hosting is that it reminds you of a truth that we all hold, which is that you alone are never really able. You're never really competent. Um, I love the verse. Not that we are competent in and of ourselves to claim anything um, in ourselves, but our competence comes from Christ. And it's true. I can't host people in my own strength. And chronic illness just reminds me of this more aggressively. It's a bruising of a blessing. And and if you feel the inadequacy of hosting, if you're sitting there going, I just, I can't, I can't just be willing to say, yeah, I can't like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's not something that comes from my own strength and it comes from my own ability. And whether that's a physical limitation or an emotional fear or anything along those lines, it's just a reminder that yes, I cannot show hospitality to anybody in and of my own strength. And, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah. So the weakness of, of my physical body is just a reminder of how much I need Christ across the board, physically, mm-hmm. um, as well as spiritually. So when you're in those seasons of having very little bandwidth for anything other than just kind of coping with daily life um, because of your sickness, how do you order your priorities so that they are right before the Lord? There's always a danger in talking in this format for people to think that because I'm sharing these truths, they are things that I very easily grasp and my soul never wavers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, chronic illness makes me question my um, sufficiency and my adequacy often. And as a result, I'm, I'll share things as I'm moving forward, but I don't want anyone listening to think that it means that I don't have dark moments where it's not incredibly hard to trust God as many, many roles that I enjoy are stripped away from me. I love hosting. I love hospitality. Um, I love being an active wife and mother. I love caring for the needs of my husband and my kids. And walking into a season where I am not able to do that to the level that I enjoy is always incredibly incredibly hard. Um, so because I am a stay at home wife and a homeschool mom in these seasons, it is easier for me, easier than it is for most to make sure that my husband and my kids are being taken care of. Um, and I would say that while in those seasons, my priorities never shift, my capacity does. So it, unless I'm very, very sick, I might have two people over once a month instead of 35 people over a couple times a month. Mm-hmm. Um, even um, when I am confined to my bed. So there are seasons of, of my life where I am either in the hospital or um, bed bound. So even when I'm confined to my bed, I remind myself that the environment around me should be peaceful to whoever enters it. Um, so I'm kind of obsessive when I'm in a hospital about wiping down my table next to me and keeping everything neat and tidy. I have little tiny, um, tea light candles, um, (laughs) uh, that my kids have made different holders for that I take with me to the hospital. Um, I always um, love finding out about the stories of my nurses and praying with them as they're going through different things in their lives. And, um, so I think hospitality, if it's viewed as more of a heart inclination, Mm -hmm. um, and less of a, a list of tasks I perform, um, well, I don't want that to be a cop out for somebody who's like, well, shoo, I don't have to be, I don't have to open my house because my heart is hospitable. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. But if I'm constantly looking for ways to allow people to rest in my presence, um, that's a kind of hospitality that can exist even when I am physically limited. So I want my husband to want to come and talk to me, um, even when I'm incredibly sick. I want to be a peaceful, restful environment for my kids, even when there are seasons where they can't hug or touch me because of pain. I still want them to want to come see me and talk to me. And um, I want to um, give them a place of rest and kind of decompression, even if um, I can't make them food and I can't um, help them get dressed and do all the other fun, everyday mom things. So you mentioned just now that one of the things you really want people to leave your presence with is a feeling of peace. Would you also say that is generally how you think about people coming in and out of your home? Yeah, I well, to be quite honest, I 
I pray about this a lot. And before I have people over, I spend a lot of time praying for each one specifically because I can't manipulate hearts and emotions and minds, nor should I want to. But I do pray that God would prepare people as they come to my house, that God would prepare me and my husband and my children, that we would be a place where whatever happens, happens for a reason that brings him glory. Um, So maybe that means a four-year-old having a temper tantrum. Um, Maybe that means a beautifully seamless party, but whatever brings him glory, that's what I want to have happen. And I do spend a lot of time praying over the individual souls that are going to gather around my table each time that it happens. I became a little probably obsessed with the concept of rest during one of our busy times in ministry. And one of the things I found fascinating as I studied it in God's word is that God outlines a variety of avenues to rest. And one of them is the remembrance of him over shared feasts. He pulls us to himself, not through striving or struggle or to-do lists, but through rest and stillness and, and enjoying food and conversation and retelling stories of what he's done. Um, and I love in Isaiah 30, it's Isaiah 30, 15, where it says, for thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved in quietness and trust shall be your strength. So I do regularly pray, pray that when people enter my house, they receive a sensation of rest. And I don't know what flavor of rest their souls most need. And that's why I pray and I ask God, because I don't know, do they need to feel invigorated for the battle? Do they need to feel peace because the battle has already been won by Jesus? Do they need to remember that he loves them? Do they need to repent of different sins in their lives? I don't know. Um, But I love the idea of creating a place where people's souls can settle Um, where they can breathe and then in the presence of that rest, receive more strength to follow Christ as they continue on. I think that is probably a much overlooked aspect of hospitality, Um, thinking through and praying for the people you are inviting in beforehand. As we wrap up this section of the conversation, the last question I did want to ask you is uh, when you're in the seasons of sickness and exhaustion, are there particular scriptures or hymns or things you've read maybe that you turn to to keep you motivated to keep inviting people in when it's hard or exhausting? Well, I talked earlier about (laughs) how you're just supposed to obey. And so the hymn, um, Trust and Obey, comes up quite often in my mind in those moments because I'm just going to trust that, A, God knew I was going to be sick. He knew that this was part of my life. He meant this for a purpose. And I rarely see the purpose when I am in one of my incredibly sick times. But B, that I trust because I'm trusting his goodness, I can then move forward in obedience. I can just do what I'm supposed to do. And I'm just to be quite honest, that sometimes means gritting my teeth (laughs) and just going and working as hard as I can when I really don't want to. And I wish I could say every single time I, you know, mixed up a meal for people to come over. It was always done with sweetness and gentleness of spirit. But sometimes it's done with like really dogged determination. Like I am going to obey God, even though (laughs) I I feel horrible or I'm incredibly cranky or in my weakness, I really just want to put on sweatpants and be alone. Um, And so to to be okay with obedience, not always being this skipping through the woods, happy to follow Christ, but to say, no, I'm just going to grit my teeth 
and do it because he's asked me to do it. And so because I know he's good, I can then obey. So trusting and obeying. And um, when I am sick, I crave something bigger and more powerful than myself. I crave a mission that my body is unable to fulfill. Mm -hmm. And so hospitality is my invitation from God into his bigger story. Hospitality is one of the ways that God allows me (laughs) to step outside of my finiteness and my weakness and how incredibly frail I am, how small my world becomes when I'm sick. Um, And it allows me to mimic him by creating a space of beauty and rest for others. He designed the perfect Eden. He's working on a truly glorious heaven and I'm allowed to copy him like a child with a crayon mimics Rembrandt, you know, but I, I get to with hospitality, even with paper plates and no energy is still my chance to have a sick, my sick little life mean something. And so obedience is, is what allows me in that moment of incredible physical weakness to have something bigger than just being sick, be part of my story and, um, to believe that God is worth obeying even when my body is failing. I'm just very thankful that, although we rarely realize it, when he calls us to obey, that in and of itself is an escape from um, our level of suffering and sadness here on this earth. Thank you for listening to our conversation today. I hope it encourages you to use the home you have to share the goodness of God in tangible ways. Any links, products, or recipes we mentioned, as well as social media tags, will be in the show notes below. You can also find our Instagram page for the show at Taste and See Podcast, where I share more practical hospitality tips and encouragement.